This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Don't do evil so that good may come of it. That's not the way it works. And so this wise guy would kind of ask this question to Paul. And you know, we do that pretty much the same. Even ourselves, or those who are believers in Christ, we've been saved by grace, but sometimes we take advantage of the grace of God. We understand that God is full of grace. We sing amazing grace. We study the grace in Scripture, and so we take advantage of God. Thinking that, you know, I can commit these sins over and over again. That's okay because God is going to forgive me. Jesus has lavished his grace on those who believe in him. However, his precious grace should never be used as a license to do wrong. In today's message, Pastor Eddie admonishes us to never use the grace of God as an excuse to do evil. Because we love the Lord, we should want to obey him and do his will. Furthermore, those who habitually sin without any prick of conscience should take time to examine themselves to see if they truly know the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie with today's edition of Running the Race. They all of a sudden, they, they read this, and, and you find out, it's like in the letter saying that Judas and Jesus kind of planned this all out. Say, okay, Judas, I want you to do this. I'll make you look the bad guy. Don't worry, I got a place for you in heaven. And it's really, it is sad, but it's sad that people believe in that, follow that. But let's say, if that be the case, the Lord would answer like this. I use your wickedness, but it was still your wickedness. It was your wickedness, your heart, your evil heart. And what I did, I counterreacted on your evilness, but I turned it out for good. It's the same way. You remember Joseph when he was sold by his brothers? They put him in a pit. They sold him to the Egyptian as a slave. And after Joseph became second in command to Pharaoh and his brothers come. And now they realize that was Joseph all this time. And, and now they're afraid now that it, when their father passed away, Jacob would pass away, that, that Joseph would kill them. You know what Joseph said? I love what Joseph said. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And that's the way God works. And so there is evil in every heart of a man. There's evilness. People say, oh, yeah, you don't know my heart. You don't know my heart. The Bible describes the heart of every man. The heart is wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? And so God turns it around. And so it's no credit to you, the Lord said, that I brought good out of your evil. But it was in you all the time. The evil is from you. The good is from God. And so he says, is God unjust who inflicts wrath? Verse 6, he says, certainly not. Again, literally means away with such a thought. Certainly not. For then how would God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And some would say, well, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty, it highlights, you know, God's glory and the truthfulness of who he is, and it brings him more glory. Why would I be judged if I'm helping him out? 
And so he goes on to say in verse 8, And why not say, let us do evil, that good may come? The more we sin, the better it is. You know, it's never right to do wrong to do right. Say that again. It's never right to do wrong to do right. One more, no, just kidding. We don't do evil so that good may come of it. That's not the way it works. And so this wise guy would kind of ask this question to Paul. And you know, we do that pretty much the same. Even ourselves, or those who are believers in Christ, we've been saved by grace, but sometimes we take advantage of the grace of God. We understand that God is full of grace. We sing amazing grace. We study the grace in Scripture, and so we take advantage of God. Thinking that, you know, I can commit these sins over and over again. That's okay because God is going to forgive me. Without having a heart or desire to do better, not sin against God. So we say, God is love. God is merciful. He's full of grace. Don't worry. I'll mess up, but he'll forgive me. That's taking advantage of his grace. You think God doesn't know that? Isn't it insulting that you would have that kind of relationship with God? And so there are many who, who live that life. I try to have, you know, have that relationship with the Lord. I wouldn't want that relationship with the Lord. I know in the beginning of my work, my walk with the Lord, you know, that's exactly how I used to practice. Oh, don't worry. If I mess up, I mess up. Who cares? God's going to forgive me. No. We need to take our salvation with fear and tremble. We need to live a life that will glorify him and not insult him, not to belittle God. Yes, he's full of mercy, he's full of love, but don't take advantage. Thinking by, by acknowledging the glory of God and his grace that, that, you know, we are justified. And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, as some firm that we say, their condemnation is just. Now, the pronoun there, we, Paul uses here um, when he says we are slanderously reported uh, is most likely referring to um, the Jews who are judging Paul and the people of the way because, you remember, with the study of the book of Acts, Paul was accused of getting rid of the laws of Moses, Judaism, telling the Jews not to circumcise your children, not to partake in anything of the Mosaic law. And so what they're trying to say that in his devaluation of the law, he's giving them the freedom and the liberty as a license to sin. So they will slander Paul. But whether or not they believe in the gospel of Christ, Paul says, their condemnation is just. Again, God is a righteous judge. And people always, you know, this is something that we need to get out of the business. And we studied this last week when it comes to judging. But here's another thing we need to get out of business. Who goes to heaven? Who goes to hell? That's nobody's business. That's not your place. You would never, that's God's place. Because God is a righteous judge. And the reason why I say he's a righteous judge, you'll be surprised who you'll find in heaven. You'll probably find the person with the most crimes who committed murder in the town in heaven. Not because he committed murder. But because in his last breath, he truly repented before God. And God knows the heart of every man. And when man confesses to God and to be right with God, that is between that individual and God. For example, the man of the cross. Remember, Jesus was in the cross. There was two with him. 
One of the men across, Jesus, remember me. Jesus says, for this day, you and me shall be in paradise. Because Jesus knew his heart. He acknowledged him. He said, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. He knew he had a kingdom, even as he hung there on the cross. So the man on the cross repented. He acknowledged Jesus for who he was. And Jesus says, this day you and me shall be in paradise. So when it comes to death, even your loved ones, I don't know who recently passed, don't judge. Let that be with God. Just hope that you'll see them there in heaven. That's not our business. That's up to God. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to say, hey, Lord, why this person's not here? Oh, he was such a nice person. Oh, why is that person? That person belongs in hell. You know? You, you get to heaven. You're going to say, you know what? I thought, but God, you're a righteous judge. You're going to be like the angels. Lord, just and true. <laughs> God is a righteous judge. He doesn't need 12 men to help him make a decision. He doesn't need man. So we need to get out of the business of that. Just remember, God is a righteous judge. Verse 9. He says, what then... Are we, speaking as a Jew now, are we better than they? He's speaking of Gentiles. Not at all, he says. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Paul had already proven that both Jews and Gentiles are guilty before God. And so now Paul, what he's going to do, he's going to prove that by Quoting Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament verses to prove that case. Now, if you have a study Bible with you, you probably see some of these uh, verse quotes in italics, or you see the asterisk there, and you see something in the bottom of your page referring you to these verses. These verses are quoted, uh, taken out of the Old Testament. That's all they had back then, and that's what Paul is using. So let's look at verse 10. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. This is quoted four times in all the scriptures. Four times. For you students who are taking notes, it's quoted in Psalms 14, verses 1 through 4. Psalms 53, verses 1 through 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 17, verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 20. And, and Romans here, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There is none righteousness, no, not one. That includes everybody. That's the point Paul is going to prove. There is no righteousness, not one. Every person that ever lived, who is alive now, or who will be born, from Adam to the very last, there is none righteousness, not one. And Paul continues by pointing out uh, a person's, he's going to now point out the inner being of a person which controls the sinful nature. This sinful nature is something deep within. So in verse 11, he says, there is none who understands. Speaking of the mind, there is none who understands, none. There is none who seeks after God. Speaking of the heart, man does not have a desire to seek after God. The true desire, it comes from Jesus himself. He's the one that seeks after man. Man in his very nature doesn't want to do anything that's good. Now, I've heard people say, well, I have a friend of mine who's, you know, seeking God, you know, he's going to church and this and that. You know, in reality, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, there are people who seek after the benefits of God, but they don't really truly seek after God. Isn't it true? All of a sudden, now everybody becomes religious and holy when they're in problems. 
all of a sudden now they want to seek for answers and they want to seek for, you know, benefits. So I'm in trouble. When we ought to really go out and seek the Lord to have a relationship. But the real truth of the matter is, is that no man seeks after God. There is none who seeks after God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 12, they have turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Not one. I think he's making his point clear. How many times we need to hear this? And he's speaking of a person's will. He's speaking of a person's will. And because there is sin in the life of every person, we know that's what's in the inside comes out, right? Out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, it shows the fruit. It shows who you really are. Are you a Christian as you say? Does it show in how you live, how you respect others, how you love others, how you, you know, encourage others rather than knock them down? Do you love people or do you hate people? That's what it shows. And so now Paul is going to point out how sin affects different members of the body. Verse 13, their throats is an open tomb. It just speaks nothing but death. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth, verse 14, is full of cursing and bitterness. So what's inside of a man, a sinful man? What does it, what is, what does it produce? Deceit, poison, cursing, and bitterness. It is the connection between the words and the character of a sinful man, a sinful person. Jesus said this to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, not what goes in the mouth defiles a man. But what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. What does that mean? It's not, you know, you get people so religious and legalistic, you know, and you can't eat certain foods. You can't eat pork. You kidding me? You telling me not to eat pork? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to eat pork. You know, oh, it's a sin. You can't eat this. Really? It's easy for vegetarians to say that. <laughs> I'm a meditarian. <laughs> Nothing wrong. I'm learning. Whatever it is. But, you know, it becomes a sin, a religion. It becomes a practice, legalistic, of what goes into the mouth. You worry about what goes into your mouth is going to make you unclean. When Jesus later on says, listen, you have a digestive system. You know if you eat something you don't like, it's going to, the body's going to tell you. It's not good for you. Your body's going to let you know. But it what comes out of a man or a person that is unclean. Your words could destroy someone. Your words could destroy a life could destroy a child. Your words can actually kill. And so this is what Jesus is speaking of. And so this is what comes out from the inside of a sinful man. This is what it produces. You know, the mouth of a Christian should be nothing but sweetness. If you have Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit in your heart, you know, you should be one that, you know what? Every time you speak to people, people leave you. You know, every time I'm with that guy, I'm blessed. Every time I'm with her, you know, I'm just so encouraged. Instead of when I just really, that short guy, you know, you don't want that. 
You want to be one that whatever comes out of your mouth is sweet because, you know, it's a reflection of who it's in your heart, and that's Jesus. It's the fruit. Jesus says, he who believes in me, Matthew 7, verses, I'm sorry, John chapter 7, verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That should flow out of our mouths. Rivers of living water, bringing life to dead places. Isn't that awesome? You know, this is true. Jesus is not just trying to be poetic here. This is real. Verse 15, it says, their feet are swift to shed blood. In other words, they rush to commit murder. Verse 16, destruction and misery are in their ways. In other words, destruction and misery always follow them. They can't escape it, and they run to it. It's all everywhere, everything about them, destruction and misery. Verse 17, and the way of peace they have not known. And because of man's sinful nature, does not know, that has no understanding of what is peace. Peace can only come from Christ, through Christ. Verse 18, he says, there is, none, there is no fear of God before their eyes. No respect for God. They don't fear God. No respect. In other words, they don't reverence him to worship him. They don't reverence him to trust him and to obey him and to serve him. Now, Paul... He's about to bring his case to a close here. It's only God's courtroom. He's about to bring his case to a close here. He has proven that man is clearly guilty from head to toe, inside and out. Inside of a man, sinful. Outside, sinful. And if you will, Paul is in God's courtroom, and what he's bringing out before the court He's already exposed the inner part of a man. And what he's doing is, is if you will, he, he brought the x-ray, the MRI readings, and he displays it there in the court, and he shows the filthiness of man. Every man, the deprived Gentile, the moralists, and even the Jews. Deprived Gentiles, in their stomach, you see pork. In the Jews, you see matzah. But inside, you're going to find they're sinful Sinful people, and they're dying. All have sinned, all for show of the glory of God. And when you see sin, what does sin, what does sin do to a life? What does it do to an individual? What does it do to you and to me? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 19. Now we know, he says, that whether the loss... Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That every mouth shall be stopped. In other words, no one has words to defend themselves. No one has words to defend themselves. The people of the covenant, the Jews, sits at the witness witness stand guilty without words to defend themselves. There is nothing that can say. Guilty. Everyone is guilty before God. And so, just as a deprived Gentile walks off the witness stand, guilty. Just as the moralist walks off the witness stand, guilty. Now the Jews are walking off the witness stand. They too are guilty. And Paul brings his closing argument to a close. He says in verse 20, Therefore, students, of the word. When you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? 
It is therefore, therefore, what's there was written previously. Therefore, from chapter 1, the deprived Gentiles. Therefore, chapter 2, the moralizers, the moralists. Therefore, chapter 2 up to chapter 3, verse 19. Therefore, because of the Jews. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, it is the knowledge of sin. What does that mean? The commandments, the laws that God has given. It only exposes sin. God didn't give these commandments. You know, we look at the Ten Commandments. We have how many commandments in the Bible? 613. And the reason why he gave those commandments is not to say, listen, I expect you to fulfill at least one of them. It's impossible. He didn't give it to us to fulfill the law. God knew we could not fulfill the law. He just displays it there so we could line up our lives with God's commandment. And it shows us how much a sinful creatures we are, how sinful we are before God. That's what the commandments are there, to, there for, to show us how sinful we are. So you look at the law, and if you look at the law, can you fulfill the law? No. Have you broke any of the laws? Absolutely. Many of them, multiple times. So we line up ourselves with the law, and it shows that we are sinners. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Be witnessed by the law and the prophet. What does it mean? The righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed. The law is here. The righteousness of God is here, is revealed. You want to go by the law? You'll be judged by the law. You want to go through Christ? You'll be judged through Christ. And it's been revealed. Through Christ, the righteousness of God is salvation through Jesus' death, resurrection, which puts a person right in a right relationship with God. And so it has been revealed apart from the law. You have the law here, you have Jesus Christ here. Jesus fulfilled the law. Verse 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. We are made right with God only by believing and placing our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, not by completing the law because it's impossible. And he he closes verse 22. He says, for there is no difference whether you're Jew or Gentile. Paul says at the end of verse 22, there is no difference. And here it is. He's He's bringing this to a close. He had three witnesses in the witness stand. And he goes before God, he goes before all men in the world, he proved that all have sinned. Here it is, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's read that together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Case closed. Case closed. Who's righteous? None. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.